Hello, my friends. Uh, Skip here for the next installment of The Matrix Has You. Uh, I will tell you, this is my fourth attempt at this podcast, uh, whereas my family uh, has called me. My wife is traveling today. Uh, other people have texted in. The animals have barked, etc., etc. Uh, my advice to you is if you are planning on doing any serious podcasting, find yourself a quiet place. Uh, Right now, I am sitting in my wife's home office. You will hear the birds behind me. You might hear my cat. Um, But that's okay, because those things are real. Uh, I want to talk about a metaphor today. And it's sort of a cynical metaphor. It's sort of a, a metaphor that It's almost morbid in a way, I guess you could say, but I have always found it to be useful. And that metaphor is this, that um, there's there's my cat, Shadow, that uh, often it seems as though when we try to change our life, when we try to change the world around us, all we're doing is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Now... I will grant to you that is a little cynical and a little bit morbid, but it's true. I remember uh, hearing that for the first time. I was in a meeting, as I recall. uh, I was in a meeting with someone, and we were struggling to come to consensus. And and the person spoke up and said, this is like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And, And what they meant was that we're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. We're trying to fix something that is irrevocably broken. And I know... In our human minds, what we often think of is that nothing is that broken. Nothing is beyond repair. Well, um, things that are not real, things that didn't start whole and healthy, uh, at the very least, it's difficult to repair them. If they're not real, they can't be repaired. And I think that's what the person was trying to convey was that the expectations of the group were not based in reality, and therefore all we're doing is just rearranging things to make it look like we've done something. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen that over and over again in my life and in my choices and in the life and choices of other people. So let me we're going we're to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how we keep trying to fix something that we can't. But I want to talk first about Of course, as I always do, I want to take a couple minutes and just re-explain sort of my theory. My theory is simple, and I hope that in your brain, uh, in your thought process, you're finding some truth in it and refining it down for yourself. Um, My theory is this, that over generations and generations and generations, hundreds of thousands of years of human development, we have developed a collective false self. Just like, uh, you know, Carl Jung or Richard Rohr would say we have an individual false self, I say we have a collective false self. We have a collective false narrative. We have a collective false reality. We have a collective false ego that we have to grow out of, that we have to understand is not real. I'm using words like the matrix or like simulation. I think they all mean the same thing. We don't live in the world of what it really means to be a human being. We don't live out of our authenticity. 
We don't live out of what is truly real. And the more we try to fix that, the worse it gets. I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to make a few bold statements here. First thing I'm going to say is, you know, racism is not necessary. Poverty is not necessary. Sexism is not necessary. All the things that separate us aren't necessary. And there's a reason we haven't been able to fix these things, folks, because we keep trying to fix them in the context of what is false. And then someone comes along like Martin Luther King or Jesus or Gandhi and says, you know, you're not going to fix this until you understand that the person who's doing the persecuting also needs help, also needs to understand reality in a different way. Not only the persecuted, but the persecutor needs to be helped. And until we understand that, folks, we are rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. We are not addressing the hole that's in the Titanic. Uh, we're not addressing the fact that we're heading for the iceberg. We are just simply rearranging reality. And by doing so, we give ourselves uh, a false legitimacy, a false reality. And then we pin our hopes on that false reality. We pin who we are on that, no, that false notion of self. <clears throat> you may be the most fierce social justice warrior there is, and God bless you, we need people to confront the injustice. But until you understand that the person who is committing the injustice has to have as much grace and healing as the people who are persecuted, we are stuck. It's tough. It's tough for me. Uh, I want to hate. I want to hold resentments. I want to do all those things that perpetuate the false reality. You know, hatred perpetuates the false reality. Look at every war. Uh, World War One, for instance, ends, and the victors of World War One, the Allies, take out their vengeance upon Germany. Uh, they. Uh, make Germany pay huge reparations. They, they bankrupt the country. They drive them into poverty. And then they scratch their heads when Germany rebuilds and attacks the entire world. Folks, that's it. That's the, that's the matrix. That's the false reality. There doesn't have to be anyone who has less. There doesn't have to be anyone who goes without there really is no scarcity. It is, it is produced so that you will consume. It is produced so that we will have a choice and we will consume. And even if we decide to live in a certain way, where our consumption, our carbon footprint is low, which is great, if we, if we do so in juxtaposition against oil companies and hate them, then we're stuck. We are rearranging the deck chairs. And I will tell you, maybe the, maybe we can push the deck chair to a more sunny, more comfortable spot, but the ship is still going to sink. The ship is still going to sink because we can't get past this need to judge others. The most dangerous kind is when we are right, when we do realize prejudice is wrong. That's an even more dangerous thought than prejudice often because it's closer to the truth 
and we become more ingrained in hating the other person. You know, when Jesus says from the cross, you know, forgive them, they know not what they do, I hear that. I hear that. We keep trying to fix a false reality from within the false reality. What we need, what we have to do is get outside of this matrix, as many of us as possible, and then try to liberate those still caught in it. This is where I'm kind of back at the movie that I talk about so much, where the Matrix idea really originated in my life. Uh, Neo is freed from the Matrix, and his job is to free others. I think our job is to free others, but it, we have to be aware of what the Matrix Matrix is first. And the Matrix is a simulated reality based in love and hate, uh, based in us and them, based in haves and have-nots. And it's not perpetuated by some futuristic uh, computer program or some other entity, at least I don't think so. It's perpetuated by us. <sighs> I do believe, folks, that there's a way to live outside of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's hard for me. It's hard to... Uh, understand the power of forgiveness, but not forget the wounds. So often we humans talk about forgiveness as if we have to then like the person or like their behavior. No, love and like are not the same thing. And that's a difficult concept for people. Almost impossible, is impossible for some folks. Because the truth is this, folks, look around you. The next time you're out, look around, you're going to see everyone rearranging those deck chairs, right? If I could just get in better shape, if I could just make more money, if I could just uh, find the right partner, if I could just find the right job. And the whole time we are scurrying around in a false reality. These birds that are singing behind me, the cat that's in the window and our neighbor's dog, Jake, and our dog, Chance, but our neighbor's dog, Jake, likes to bark. Uh, so I want to talk about Jake a little bit. Uh, Jake is an outside dog. He has a very nice little shed, a nice dog run. He's very well kept. Uh, he loves it when his humans come out to pet him. Uh, he protects his humans by barking. Uh, Jake is a dog that is aware of his dogness. You know, I don't know the level of consciousness in animals. I, you know, I, I try to steer away from sort of these notions that people put out in the matrix about, you know, consciousness of animals or flowers. Or I, I don't, it's above my knowledge. What I do know is this, that Jake knows how to be a dog. He doesn't rearrange any deck chairs on any sinking ship. He's happy when he's happy. He's frustrated when he's frustrated. He does his job as a dog, just like our dog Chance, just like the cat behind me, just like the birds out the window, just like the trees, the leaves. You see, folks, I think that nature is one of those ways in which we can see that if we could just be who we are, we would fit in. There'd be a more uh, symbiotic relationship. There'd be more truth in our life. So who are we? Well, here's my contention. We are loving, compassionate beings, 
built for love and compassion, built for a unification with each other and not a, a fracturing away from each other. That fracturing away from each other, that's the lie. I'm going to leave you with that, folks. Uh, my encouragement to you is just look around. Just look around. You'll see that this is right to some degree. Wars in the Middle East, people hurting each other in the streets of America because of their religion or because of their color, people judging each other uh, left and right. It's all rearranging a reality that isn't real. Take care, my friends, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.